This episode of the Mostly Banter podcast is sponsored by Amy Sherry Designs. Hey, does your home reflect your taste and style of today? Do you see drab drapes, pilling pillows, and ragged rugs? Drawing on the unique qualities of your home and then incorporating your lifestyle taste, Amy Sherry Designs uses beautiful textiles and furniture pieces to create a space that you and your family will absolutely love. Amy uses her innovative design dye to transform spaces that are not only functional, but simply livable. Don't spend another day walking around a home that doesn't suit you anymore. Please call Amy Sherry Designs for your free consultation. Contact Amy by phone at 310-386-0627. Again, that's 310-386-0627. Or check out her website, amysherrydesigns.com. A-M-I-E-S-H-E-R-R-Y-D-E-S-I-G-N-S.com. Welcome, Keith. How are you? Michael, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Normally, I start with an introduction, so let me kind of uh, do that a little quick. Today, we have on the Mostly Banter podcast, um, Keith Sterling. Keith is the deputy city manager of Beverly Hills. Uh, I believe you started this year with that position? That's correct, in January. Okay, so that's the big introduction. So let's start at the beginning. Yes. How did you get here? Well, I, I, please uh, interrupt me as I go because it's a very, very long story. I love long stories. And, and I don't want to uh, bore you to the, to the core, but it's, it, it started a long time ago on Long Island, New York. That's Is that where, where I'm you're from. born? Born there. Where? Uh, in a, t- well, let's see. I always have to remember. It's Rockville Center, okay. not Rockefeller, right. Rockefeller Center, Rockville Center on New Long York. Island. Okay. Um, and grew up there, loved it. Uh, about an hour from Manhattan, an hour from the Hamptons in the middle. North side of the, right the island? Middle. Right in the middle. Right okay. in the middle. So you could drive, you know, 15 minutes to the North Shore, 15 minutes to the West side. Islip and... Close. Right, right near... Okay, close. got it. Yep, close to that. Uh, and it was great, you know, and uh, decided uh, probably about high school that I wanted to do journalism, TV in particular, and started to prepare for a career in broadcasting. How'd you do that? Well, I think it probably helped growing up in the New York area. Not realizing it, of course, growing up there, but my local news was big time. I mean, New York yeah. City local news. Number one market? Number one market, as big as you can get. The radio I was listening to, was, they were really talented people. And I just always had that feeling when I was watching the news that I wanted to be in the mix, in the know. Yeah. And it seemed exciting to me, breaking news, covering those types of things. So uh, that's when I decided I wanted to pursue broadcasting. So I went to... Uh, the Roy H. Park School of Communications at Ithaca College in upstate New York. So wait, we got to pause there. So Ithaca College is right next to Cornell. Yes, it is. For people that don't know. It is a gorgeous part of America. What's the name of the lake? It's Lake uh, Cayuga. Cayuga. It is just gorgeous. I know this because my son was uh, going to go to Cornell and he had a whole visit and he spent the summer program there and it was fantastic. And I thought that this is the most magnificent place you could drive all the way around the lake. And Ithaca College is great. Um, Didn't work out for my son. He couldn't stand the weather in the summer. I could have only imagined how we would have liked that in the winter. Um, But it's such Ithaca, such a neat town, a lot of organic 
markets and organic restaurants. Very much. So you spent time there, um, and did you like it? I did. Uh, it was five hours from home on Long Island, so I could still go home for holidays fairly easily. Um, winters were rough. They were rough. I mean, we had snow on Long Island, but it's a different story upstate, yeah. especially with the lake effect snow, yeah. they call it. So I can remember times walking to class in you know, whiteouts, the car doors frozen shut, <laughs> um, all those experiences. Lovely place to be. Yeah, lovely place to be. <laughs> Beautiful other times of yeah, the year. Yeah, yeah. For about a week and a half, it's perfect. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so you graduate from there. Yeah, and, and I should what? mention, uh, during that time, when I would go home over the summer, I ended up interning at radio stations, uh, WBLI on Long Island, and then also working at a talk show, national talk show in New York City. Her name was Jane Whitney. I don't know if people remember. It was a very brief show. She uh, was on only for a year or two. But I worked as a uh, production assistant on that nice. show. And uh, did that for the first summer. The second summer, I worked as an intern at WABC-TV, Channel 7 in New York. Number uh, one market. Number, number one station yeah. in the number one market. Yeah. Great place to watch and learn. Yeah. And that was really terrific. And then, um, so I, I also took classes in the summer to graduate early. So I graduated in three years uh, at age 20. I was really young. Wow. And uh, then I went, okay, now what? And so I had my resume reel, as they used to call it. I don't know what they call it now, but. They call it a reel, same yeah, thing. Yeah. A sample of my broadcasting work that I did at college. So okay. very similar to the studio that we're sitting in. I mean, just a a wonderful opportunity to do hands-on broadcasting work early in college and prepare for that. So I had my reel, and the way TV news works, for those that don't know, is you have these small stations all across the country, and you just blast your, your resume reel out to as many stations as you can and hope somebody bites. Yeah, the career path seems, oh, I have a, a good acquaintance, John Ireland, who's a local broadcaster, um, and John will always say he lives in Beaumont, Texas, and that's the career path. You sort of throw it out there, you start there, and then when you're there, your reel's going to get tossed around, and then you're going to go from whatever level market that that is to the next sort of grouping to the next sort of grouping, and then you want to end up in a San Diego, uh, some San Francisco, a place like that, and then you want to get to the New Yorks or the Los Angeles or the Chicago's. Or an international after yeah. that, exactly. Yeah. So uh, my first job, long story short, it was about eight months of sending out resume tapes with in, you know, a call here, but then it didn't work out. An interview there, it didn't work out. Finally, in January of 1996, I got my first job offer age 21 at KTVO-TV, Kirksville, Ottumwa. Yeah. That's Kirksville, Missouri, Ottumwa, Iowa. Wow. And uh, $12,000 a year. And what year is that? 96. Okay. And I remember telling my folks, and, and my folks have always been so supportive. And even when I told them that, I remember them saying, okay, well, it's the first job. And yeah. they must have been thinking, what in the yeah. world is he doing? Yeah. And so I moved out to Kirksville, and, you know, those small stations, you do it all. I shot my own video, yeah. I wrote my scripts, I edited my own tape, and then I introduced it on the air. So you work really hard to do all the jobs with the, with the plan that eventually you'll move to a city where you don't have to do all the jobs. Yeah, uh, I heard Adam, Adam Carolla once had made a statement. His friends were making fun of him when he first started in radio with Jimmy Kimmel because um, the local radio station, I think it was Kiss or something out here, was paying him $50 a bit. And his friends were going, you're working crazy for $50? He says, I should be paying them. 
for all the experience that I get. So when you're saying you take a job at $12,000 a year in 1996, that's tough, tough go to go, but it shows how dedicated you are to doing it. Okay, so you're there for how long? Six months. Six months. No that, contract. You, no contract. Sometimes in TV. So why did, did you leave for a better opportunity? I did. Okay. Bangor, Maine. Bangor, Maine. Uh, you moved up in the world. Yeah. You moved from east, uh, who knows what, uh, Missouri. Back to the northeast. Back to the northeast and in Maine. And that was 18000 a year. And uh, at that job- So I, you moved up 50% of income. That's right. How big is the market in Bangor, Maine? So there's 200 TV markets, uh, one being New York, two LA, LA. three Chicago, and right. 200 being Glendive, Montana. Kirksville was 200. Bangor was 155. Okay. So I was heading in the right You're direction. You're heading up. Well, you can't go down if 200's <laughs> it, you know? Yeah. So I uh, was in Bangor for a year and a half and was ended up getting promoted to the weekend news anchor mm -hmm. and three-day-a-week reporter. So I'd be out in the field, you know, three days during the week covering stories for the 6 o'clock news. And then on the weekends, I'd be at the anchor desk, anchoring the 6 and 11 o'clock news, which was great. Right. You get to do both. Right. I was there for a year and a half, and then... Florence, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina came calling, which wow. to me at the time was a gold, you know, a gold mine. Right. Myrtle Beach, that's wonderful compared yeah. to where- What market is Myrtle Beach? Like 110 okay. at the time. I think now it's in the 80s or okay. 90s. It's grown a lot. Right. Uh, but so I went there as also a weekend anchor. Right. And is the, I don't mean to be personal with money or, or with anything else. Oh. So does the oh. pay go from 18000 from that market to what? 25. To 25. We're headed the right direction, Keith. I have to tell you. And at that point, at that time, I was 23. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's not, now, now we're okay. We're, we're okay. We're still half of what a teacher makes in Los Angeles or New York, but I, I'm, we're yep. okay. Okay. Yep. yep. And I loved it. Yeah. And that's the thing I think, I think back to it now, and it still is hard for me to believe that I was doing that and didn't think twice about it. I mean, I, I knew I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was so into the work yeah. and so into the job that I just didn't really care. So I'll tell you a big secret. You weren't really working. You were doing what you like doing for money. Right. Once you start working, working is, hey, Keith, I'd like you to pay you to, um, would you kindly help me wash cars this weekend? Right. Right. That's work. You know, you're, it's not something you want to do. Hey, can you help me hang drywall or, you know, do something like that? That's working. I, I'm kind of like that. It's like I've been very fortunate, very blessed in life, um, very, very, very privileged to have the life that I've had doing what I like doing. And nobody says you can't do it. Hey, I'm doing a podcast because I like doing a podcast. You know, hey, I represented athletes. It's like that's the way at it. Okay, so now we're moving up. So I moved. I was the weekend anchor Myrtle Beach. And then after two years, the weeknight anchor position opened. And I moved in. I was promoted into that role. So wow. I was 25 making at that, I think, when I got promoted, about 40000 Now you're called talent. Yes. And then I was anchoring the 6 and 11 o'clock news Monday through Friday on the ABC affiliate Myrtle Beach. And that was great. That's kind of impressive. That was great. 25 years old. That's yes. pretty impressive. Yes. Okay. And I did it for three years. Okay. And what, again, not personal, but yes, I have no, to ask, course. what's the salaries at that time? 40, 40 42, 45. 000. And this is what year now? 19? This, is, this would have been 2000 to 2003. Ooh, right in the time of the political 9 11 and all of that other stuff. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Again, not a lot of money, but. Um, well, but better. today's dollars to equate it, that's probably like 
80s, yeah, 90s. Yeah, right in the 80s, yeah. 90s, you know. Yeah. And for L.A., people that will listen to this, obviously these numbers don't make a lot of sense, but there's adjusted indexes that, you, that one can look it up. Um, but it's certainly middle class, upper middle class income for a single person at that time. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so now we're there. And then I got married. Okay. And my wife at the time was also a news anchor. Okay. We worked at the same station in Myrtle Beach. She was receiving a lot of interest from a lot of stations across the country, and agents wanted to represent her. So when you get to a certain level in broadcasting, you can get picked up by an agent. Yeah. And it's, it's changing a lot now with the changing landscape of local news, but they're still there. They're still out there. And so... Well, let's pause on that for yeah, a yeah. second, because I've spent... 18 years as an agent in baseball and NFLPA and MLBPA. And I developed a niche towards the end of the career of let me represent non-players. Let me represent executives and management and people involved on the outside because they don't really have representation. So when you talk about agents in newscasters, it's the agent's job is different. It's sort of like, can you quietly feel for a better job for me, whereas I'm not going to muddy the waters from where I'm at now. So that, that's people should understand that. And uh, broadcasters, they don't want to come out and say, I'm looking for an agent because that will make the management for wherever they're working thinking, well, you don't like it here. You want, you're climbing up the ladder. we got to find replacements for you. But unfortunately, that's the real business. So your then-wife is solicited by – it's probably a bad word. But, <laughs> she but, but she's, she's sought after by uh, – A TV station in Phoenix, okay. which is a big market. Yep. Like probably What's at the Phoenix? time, market 15 or oh, something. Oh, really? Big, big. Where's Houston? I would think Houston's pretty big because it's a big top city. top 15-ish. Yeah, yeah close okay. to that. Uh, so she was approached by the station for Phoenix, and it, it became apparent to me at the time that it was going to be very difficult for us to find two on-air positions in the same, same city. Place. Yeah. And so I had to make a decision. Am I going to try to get a position in Phoenix? Am I, am I, am I good enough to get a position in Phoenix? Uh, are we going to have a commuter relationship where I live in another city and commute? Um, and so I made at the time, I, I, here's what I remember. I remember sending my resume reel. At this point, I had been an evening anchor in Myrtle Beach for several years. Very doing really well, you know. It was really holding your own share around and ratings. And I remember sending out the resume tapes again, and I wasn't getting a lot. Of, I was getting mediocre interest, and it reminded me of the eight months I spent after college, banging down doors and begging people for the time of day. And I thought to myself, now I'm like 28, and I thought to myself, you know. I don't like this. I don't like that it's so subjective. It's so uh, random. Yeah. And I, I, I there I, isn't a okay. I take this class. I graduate the class. I take the test. I somebody's going to say, "Here's what you do next," and next, and next, and next. At some point, 
we all have to look in the mirror if you're a baseball player. If you are talent, and I used that word earlier, if you are talent, am I good enough to be the number one dude on ABC, NBC, or if that is your goal or your dream? Right. And I imagine at that time you're also saying, do I love this? Do I love doing this as opposed to am I good enough? I, I, all of those have to creep in the heads because they creep in the heads of every baseball player, every professional athlete. They're all in there. And, oh, by the way, people that are listening, it's in the heads of every single person that's a broadcaster, whether it's radio, right. television, podcast, everything. It's, it, it's in their heads. So continue. Yeah, and I, I remember feeling not that I was owed a job, but I felt no different having just put in seven or eight years of grinding away in Kirksville right. and grinding away in Bangor and anchoring in Myrtle Beach and working weekends and holidays. Right. And it was like I was back to square one again, just hoping somebody would call me back. Right. And I said, you know, I just don't know about this. Right. And I just made the decision to transition out into public relations, which when I was a broadcaster, I would work with PR folks for cities, for counties, for universities, for companies that would grant us interviews when right. we're putting together news stories. Right. So it's a common transition for journalists that decide they don't want to be in journalism anymore. But I'll be honest with you, one I never thought I would make. I can remember when I was a reporter interviewing spokespeople, PR people for, for public entities, and thinking to myself, I'd never want to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I ended up moving to Phoenix and started off at a PR agency where you represent multiple clients. Now, it was a shock to me at this point. I was 28. I had only worked in TV news. I didn't know how to use Excel. Yeah. I didn't know how to use... Same here. Yeah. I mean, it, because in TV news, you use the spe specialized software for news scripts and whatnot. So I was completely unprepared. Yeah. Um, and, I, and it was a great learning experience for me, writing press releases. I had spent eight years prior reading, reading press, press releases. releases. Now I'm writing them. But being on that other side, was it was... It was a wake-up call. You're back me. in school. Back in school at 28, basically starting yeah. over. So long story short, I told you when you asked me the question, yeah, how'd no, you get I, here? Hey, it's a this is what this podcast is really about. It's getting to know people. It's getting to know their stories. On And you know, Beverly Hills is the background and the theme, and we'll get to Beverly Hills. But I love the journey, and I can see how animated you are when you're telling your story. When you ask people to tell the story... It benefits others, Keith. It really does. People will go, well, I, you know, I'm thinking, or how do I do this? And then, oh, you made it out the other side. So, you know, let's continue this the, this story. So we're in Phoenix, and by the way, it's so lovely there that for people that don't know, if you sit in a cafe, they'll have misters outside, and you can watch people go by in August, and they will just randomly burst into flames. <laughs> Yeah, right. They right. just randomly burst into flames. So, right. so um, you you go from these climates. That's a whole other thing. It's yeah. like you're used to New York, which is humid and hot and yeah. crazy, and then snow and then this, and that's where you grow up. And yeah. now you go to Maine, which is a new kind of cold, and then you go to uh, Myrtle Beach, which is not really cold. It's back to the humid and it's back to the muggy yep. and it's sort of southerny. And now we're going to Phoenix. Phoenix. Now we're in Phoenix, and we're there for. About three years, and uh, it was a great experience for me. I, I repped uh, PR for a restaurant, a high-end Italian restaurant, a doctor's office, a condo project in downtown Phoenix, met with reporters to garner media coverage. It was a great experience. And you know that from your reporter experience, which is for people listening that want to say, well, where do I or how do I? You draw upon what you know, and you apply it to what you're doing and what you want. So that's cool. How can I sell this as a story? How can I make them interested? So – 
when do you leave there in Phoenix to come? Where do you go next? So there, we're there for three years, and then my Now former, we're 30-ish, 31. I'm 31-ish. Yeah. My former wife gets a news anchor job offer in Tulsa. And I, at this point, had worked at the PR firm. I wanted to be a spokesperson for a public entity. That was really what I wanted to ultimately do because it's very similar to the folks that I worked with when I was in TV. So the city of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Uh, you know who's from there? There's a very famous baseball player in Los Angeles who was a Los Angeles Dodger for a 1,000 years, played shortstop. It's, I should know this. You but. should know this. <laughs> and I know this because of the wonderful late Vince Scully, Bill Russell. Bill Russell. That is right. That's right. But Bill Russell and Kristen Chenoweth. That's the other. There's another one. Okay. So we moved to Oklahoma and I was the the public information officer, which is basically the spokesperson, PR person for the city of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And we were there for three years and great experience. Tulsa is not a huge city. No. What Um, market share is that? 60s. Okay. We're moving. We're we're headed. She was a reporter in Phoenix and anchor in Tulsa. So smaller city, but bigger position. Got it. So we were there for three years. Now, during this time, ultimately, so now we're in two, we're approaching 2009. So for the listeners, we're getting there. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my family, my brother moved out to San Diego after college. He okay. went also to college upstate New York. He was so cold. He said, I'm moving to San Diego. Yeah. My parents didn't know where to retire. My brother says, come out here. And so I said, I got to get, get out there too. So um, I start looking for communications jobs in California from Tulsa, city of Burbank. I end up interviewing and get that job. So I go from Broken Arrow to Burbank in 2009. Okay. My f- spouse joins me. She comes out and ends up doing some freelance work in L.A. Because that's a challenge. Now, again, you're sort of thinking of actors. You know, it's hard for celebrities to be married to celebrities when one has to go work here or even baseball players. You know, you're living in one city. You're from, you know, um, Long Island, New York, and you're playing for the Toronto Blue Jays. That's not that bad. But if you're playing for the Seattle Mariners and you're from Miami, that's a, that's a bit of a challenge. So City of Burbank, nice place. Great place. Very I nice. was thrilled to be in Southern California. Yeah. Thrilled. Yeah. Um, and television town. T- yep, two hours from my folks and my brother, and uh, love the weather. Nice here. For, so there for three years at Burbank, and then now we're in our mid thirties. We're 34, 35, 36. Okay. And my uh, former spouse gets a news anchor offer in Salt Lake City. Okay. <laughs> Are you dizzy? You look. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm f- I'm following. Just so people know, I have a roadmap. I do a little teeny homework. I don't like to do a lot on people that I talk to because I love for this to just be. Hey, we're chatting. Tell me, to, let's talk about it, and people yeah. get to listen in. But the other side of this is, is you you do a little homework and you can follow. We're moving up the list. We will get to Beverly Hills any minute now. But so Utah. I had a, uh, an acquaintance who Todd Donahoe, who was a sportscaster, introduced me to. And I'm ne- I don't forget his name. His name was Carl Arkey. And I remember him because I met him in 19, this has to be 1995-ish or 96-ish. Really nice guy and explained to me how lovely Salt Lake City is. I had been there before, but I never ever thought of what kind of a market that that is. So what is that market? It's like in the 30s. Okay, 30s so we're really so. getting, it's moving up there, mm-hmm. but now it's, when, you're, when you go from 200 or whatever, 180 <laughs> to 30, that's an easy climb. Going yeah. from 30 to 1, that's a much challenge, much more challenging climb. That's right. So that's how right. long are you in Utah? So uh, I, was the, I ended up getting a great job from Burbank as the director of communications at the University of Utah. Wow. So I okay. was the spokesperson the for Utah. Yeah, the Utes. It was a great job. And 
there were a few eyebrows I remember when I came in from the outside because you have a lot of folks that were from Salt Lake right. that wanted that job. Yeah. And here I had come in from, from well, Burbank. You know, to speak to colleges and branding, um, you know, I was talking to one of the administrators at Beverly Hills High School earlier today. It's very challenging for people to get into college, and the brands need a national brand. Um, if you're from Utah, they don't want only people of one religion, right. only of one group, yes. and just regional. Of course, that's a foundation to it, but you want diversity. You want a nationwide search, and you need nationwide brands. So it doesn't surprise me at all that they hired a talent like yourself. Yeah. So how long are you there? There for two years, and then uh, at that point, my uh, wife at the time and I went our separate ways. She was terminated by the station. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, the, that's the way the broadcasting business. Yeah. By the way. You know, that's the they pull the, the plug. They just pulled the plug. The yeah. station was sold. New owners came in and yeah. said, "You're out. You're out." Yeah. And so she ended up moving away. I uh, helped her move. She ended up getting some different anchor jobs in other places. Now I'm in Utah. By yourself. My family's in California. Yeah. And I want to get back. Right. City of Santa Cruz was looking for a PR person in Northern California. Not ideal, but it gets me back to yeah, California. Closer. So I came back. Okay. Went to so now we take a step backwards, except we're no longer in a market share, but we'll stay on that sort of path for what the markets are. Yeah. Um, so you're leaving the number... Th 30 market. 30? Now we're in San Jose, San, San Francisco market. Yeah. Oh, so that right. counts. That's bigger. So what market would you say that that is in the broadcast? It's probably... Well, now I guess Eight? it's top 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah something 10. like that. Okay. Um, but, uh, and even though I'm not in the broadcasting business anymore, being in that media market right. as a PR person, it's still dealing with yeah, you're still people. You're in, the, you're, you're in the same highway. You're right. just in a different lane. Exactly. Okay. Right. And exactly. Santa Cruz is a very small community, per se, that's a suburb to, and that attaches to the big Bay Area market, correct? correct. Do you like it there? Wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah, mine either. It wouldn't be. I don't know why. I still can't articulate because the people there were wonderful. Yeah. I just didn't feel the different connection. Culture. It's a different culture. I just didn't feel a connection. So, okay. so ultimately we... wanted to get back down to Southern California. And Anaheim School District was looking for a communications director in 2015. So I got to ask, wait, let me ask you a question yeah. for people that are job searching. Yes. Because that's important. Do they come find you, or where are you looking to find these positions? So Headhunters, or, or how are you doing that? I was looking uh, in professional communications organizations, uh, websites specifically targeted for PR people in government and, and communities. And you're looking for an opening that they're offering, and then you're shooting in your, at this time, resume as opposed to a reel. That's exactly right. And, and I want to point out, too, for the folks that are listening who are looking for jobs and and maybe, you know, it's different, too, in 2023 than it was sure. even 10 years ago. But I had to explain a lot in my interviews why all the job hopping. Because naturally, they would look at me and say, well, this guy can't sit still. And I would have to explain, well, I was married. 12,000 to, to 18,000 to 25,000 to married to somebody in the industry to she gets an opportunity here. I have to give up whatever base I have in the East Coast and come here and then it gets diluted and then it gets challenging. Exactly. Those things, that's life, but it would take explanation, I guess. Yeah. I would look at it the other way. So if you were at a place for 25 years and now you want to come here, how come you're flaking out and you just want to come to California to be in the sun? Right. That's kind of dis you know you could pick apart any sort of side, but your explanation and the way you you articulated, I'm sure, endeared you to Anaheim, you know, the the city of the mouse. Yes, the mouse, and I was there, and it was a great job working for a school district. It's a big school district. 
20,000. Now, that stuns me because Anaheim, let's let's talk about that for a second. For people that don't know, Anaheim, you don't think of it as it has a lot of residents. You think of it as mostly industry. Of course, Disney was sort of poking fun at Disney. But, of course, the, you know, the Anaheim at the time, Anaheim Angels, now Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And it's a lot of industry. And if I remember right, um, Reverend Schuler had a massive church that was out of uh, – uh, out I think of that's Anaheim. Garden Grove, but next door. Yeah, right next door. So that area is not known to have massive residences and neighborhoods. So this school district, tell me about that. Yeah, it was large. This, the city of Anaheim is large, about 300,000 or so residents plus. Wow. And the school district that I work for was the K-6 through district. It was 20,000 kids, students, uh, and 24 schools. So it's a big district. Yeah, and managing communications for that was a was a was a challenge, but yeah. it was great. So I, now at this point, I had worked for cities, universities, yeah. school districts, private PR firms. In a weird way, we're coming from the height of education all the way up the chain on one, and now we're working now our we're way coming, down from the universities down to kids yep, or exactly. young or young students, for lack of a well, better and word. I, and I said ultimately, okay, what do I want to do? We're at the I mean, because now I'm turning forty. Okay, this is 2014, 2015. So, again, all the people looking for careers. Oh, I'm doing a career change. Oh, well, poor me. Yeah, no. It's, uh, it's, you know, you can invent yourself and do what you want to do when you want to do it. And I think everybody in their own heads, myself included, you kind of go, am I happy with what I'm doing? What if I want to change? And, again, nothing stops you. So, okay, where are we at now? And so I decide, okay, what do I want to do long term? This is it. I mean, I'm in a position where I really want to get somewhere that I'm going to stay. And what did I enjoy out of everything I've done? Where did I feel the most value? What did I enjoy the most? And I, th- I thought back at the time, the city of Burbank. I said, I think that was really what I enjoyed the most. I like the city government. I like the high-profile nature of Burbank, sure. dealing with media a it's lot. Internet, believe it or not, Burbank... I'm going to compare it in a weird way to Fresno, even though it's part of Los Angeles. They're major world entities. Fresno, what do you bring that up for? They have agriculture. Their, their, their product, what comes from California in the Central Valley, is huge. What comes from Burbank, their export is television, film. All of those things come there. Now, of course, we have in Los Angeles Culver City, which is similar to that. But one was known as film and one was video. Now they're sort of all intertwined with just media and just entertainment. And it's a, it's kind of cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was a great show. So I thought, you know, I'd really like to do something like that again. And so being networked in at Anaheim School District PR, I'm still in the PR group of California. I know who's where and what's happening. And I see the public information officer position for the city of Beverly Hills. And this was in June of 2018. And I went, that's the one. That's the one. Okay. Fairbank was great. Utah was fine. Everything I've done. I would love that opportunity. And so interview, very competitive process. And long story short, you got the job. Got the job. So stop there for one second, because I believe we met shortly after that. Out of all things, coincidentally, a Beverly Hills high school career day. I am a big believer that it's nice to help young people and, you know, just talk to them as people, not as parents, not as, okay, telling you what to do, but like, hey, here's my experiences. I'm hoping that those will help you with what you're going to do, which is all fancy words for saying, don't make the same mistakes I made, you know, and here, and here's how to do it. And we just sort of clicked in that we were in the same room, there were three of us, and it was just fun because they kept bringing the students in. We didn't have to go anywhere. So that was neat. So you get the position, 
And um, I'm not asking if you notice salaries there, but I know that City of Beverly Hills people are, are nicely compensated. It's a wonderful city. It is Mayberry on steroids, for lack of a better word. Well, I'm very transparent. First of all, as a public entity, the salaries are I know. Info. People could look it up, and but I'm we're fine. not looking But it. no, I have no... And actually, we left off the salaries on some of those other jobs. So it's important, I think, for people to know, thinking about it. So uh, when I worked at uh, Burbank... Uh, let's see. Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, was about seventy-five to eighty thousand. Okay. Burbank was about one hundred and ten, one hundred and twenty. Um, Utah was about the same, even though it was at lower cost of living. It paid right. well, about yeah. hundred. All of a sudden, you feel kind of, "Ooh, I'm doing good." <laughs> yep. Yep. Santa Cruz was about one twenty-five. Um, Anaheim, the same, one twenty-five. Uh, and then Beverly Hills, when I started, maybe one forty. Yeah. Or something like that. So. Nicely compensated. In, took in, took yeah. time to get there, but got there. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it was It was amazing. I mean, right off the bat. And I knew, obviously, as a, a person familiar with media and um, L.A. market, Beverly Hills is a busy, busy place for media, for communications. There's, and for yeah. brand of the city itself and being protective of that brand. You know, every city's got issues and problems. We are both very fortunate that we know city council people. We both know the mayor. Um, by the way, congratulations to Keith Sterling. He joined Beverly Hills Rotary. I always like to put that in there. Um, and he was just inducted last week, and it's a long time coming, and it's wonderful to have you as a member. And we're very fortunate because even Beverly Hills Rotary is renowned through the Rotary International community and in that it's probably the top club in the top group because you have such like-beget-like minds. People may not agree on how you solve a political problem. You're always going to have a divide in a room when you have somebody who's a congressperson that's from one political party versus the other. But the city brand itself and what we do is just so important and it's just so cool. So for, for, for you to be a part of that, that's awesome. And you've grown within the city of Beverly Hills, and I read somewhere that you were given a very prestigious award. You were given the 2020 Employee Excellence Award for Outstanding Job Performance for achievements spearheading various public information efforts throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. What does that all mean? Well, you know, and I always like to say... Other than you're a good dude. Well, thanks, <laughs> it was, and I always say it was a team of us because... COVID was, was for all communications people a challenge. Here we were in this era of unprecedented pandemic, uh, people nervous, scared, vaccine mandates, mask mandates, uh, trying to communicate Businesses that. of how am I going to pay my rents if I'm not open to the public, you know? Just, just be real to it, right? All Restaurants, everything is all there, yet we have a brand to deal with we have life to live that's right and and then we also had a time of civil unrest in 2020 yes with protests and demonstrations and uh, it was just a time of turbulence turbulence yeah. and so trying to put information out and i always say we're never perfect and didn't do didn't do a lot of things right but we tried to be timely in our communication with the public with the residents you know i'm going to say something that may or not be thought of as um controversial I will say I always believed, even though I'm not a resident of Beverly Hills, that the city of Beverly Hills, their intentions are always admirable. 
always. doesn't matter if we're right or if we're wrong or if we have this or that. It's always admirable. I can't say that for other parts of our government. And that's not to be a contrarian, but it's like you just look at it as our entity in Beverly Hills is a jewel. And it's multifaceted. You've got tourism, which is big. You've got res businesses, which in my mind are that. You've got residences. You've got people yelling and screaming at each other over whether we should do this development or that development. And then you have the visionaries of, we don't want to look like this in 10 or 20 years. And your job, if I'm understanding it right, as you've grown through this, is to sort of help navigate that. And now you're the deputy city manager. Okay, so we're in Beverly Hills. We've chatted for a while. And I'm loving this podcast and loving spending time with you. Tell me what the deputy city manager and the city manager does. So the city manager think of as the CEO of the organization. And we also have an assistant city manager, Ryan Golick, and then I'm the deputy city manager. So switch city manager for CEO or okay. chief administrative officer. Okay. The way this structure of our government works is we have five council members. Yes. Uh, and by the way, I just have to do a shout out, obviously, to the council who I've gotten to know over my five years here, and they have been such wonderful supporters. Yeah. I'm not to like all of them for getting their, irrespective they, of their political positions, it's hard, they're all likable people. And as you said Even earlier. Even Les Friedman, who I will shout out, <laughs> yeah. the UCLA guy. Right, and but they all have the best interests of the city at heart. Like you said earlier, yeah. that they really, they really do. They really do. And, um, you know, I think about Lily Bossy, um, just everything. A jewel of the city. She's done for me. Julian Gold, Julian jewel of the city. Sharona Nazarian, yep, jewel yep, of the of city. Of course, John Mirish, John who's Mirish. Um, been on the council yep. forever and working with him and working with all the folks that the city has just been a, been a blessing for me. But and I'll tell you, it's, it, it really, um, it, it, I, what I like about the current role, deputy city manager, is I get to work even more closely with the city council. Now, I've always done that in my role as the communications right. officer, PR, interviews, et cetera. But now I work even more closely on our council meetings, our agendas, topics that are discussed. I also oversee our relationships with the chamber, the Conference of Visitors Bureau, Rodeo Drive. So Chamber a, of Commerce, all the rotaries, all of these things in our city that – you know, we're so, uh, I, I don't want to overuse the word, but we're just blessed. We're, we're very blessed by all of this, and we're blessed by quality people that do this. So my, my job is to, to do those, those roles, as well as still overseeing communications and PR with our, the great team that we have, but then also uh, supporting Nancy and Ryan, uh, you know, when Nancy's out or Ryan's out, um, and working with our department directors, which include fire chief, police chief, director of public works, uh, all, all, runs, runs the gamut. And so it's. Do you a, like it? Love it? Where are you at? I love it. I love it. And I feel, I mean, it, it's funny because I always remember my mom telling me one time that she went, and, and we're not by any means uh, of the supernatural, but she went to, she got as a gift back when I was in high school, some psychic reading. And she always remembers that the person told her about me, her older son, that he, he's going to take a while to get there. And he's going to zigzag and go way all over the place, but he'll get there. Yeah. And I feel like after everything I've just described to you. You got here. I got it. So let's sort of not transition away, but now we know a little bit about how you got here. Let's talk about you, the person. What do you do outside of work? What do you like? Well, I really love, and it's funny because uh, I've tried to do more of a work-life balance. Because I'll tell you, in TV news, that's your life. Yeah. 
I mean, you you live and breathe news. You live and breathe that business. And so even when I transitioned out, which is now 20 years ago, I was 28 at the time, 48 now, um, it was tough to make that adjustment not to run home and watch the news every night. Yeah. Um, I think it's that way for a lot of people because the news today, how you consume it, is so, so differently consumed than when we were younger. You know, newspapers, thing of the past. Now, I love the courier because I can still touch a physical newspaper. I can't get used to the digital pages of the courier, but I will eventually because they'll start to do more in media and things like that. And by the way, that's a jewel of our community also. But what do you do? But I I love to go to the beach. I love boating. I love... I, I will be totally honest. My biggest habit probably is eating out okay. at restaurants. I love going out to dinner. So let's lo- talk about those. Do you spend your time in Beverly Hills restaurants? I do. I do. And I moved to the city earlier this year. And so I live uh, in a great section just south of Wilshire over by Saks in that area. And I just love it. And I walk yeah. to... Healthy. That yeah. gives us a feel that most Los Angeles, as everyone knows that's listening who's in Los Angeles, we are going to drive our car 100 yards, park it, and get out and go in, as opposed to let's walk that. And when you walk, it's a completely different perspective. And Beverly Hills allows residents. I see them. We, they walk all of the time. I'll never forget uh, a celebrity named Richard Benjamin, who's very well known. He was a resident of Beverly Hills forever. I assume he still is, if, uh, if, he has, if he's still around. And I would always see him walking in the flats yeah. every Every morning when I'm coming into work, you always wave. Just, just nice, nice way to live. But in Beverly Hills, you know, without giving free plugs to restaurants, yeah, yeah. is there a type of restaurant that you like? I'm, I'm the, I'm the, uh, the steak and Italian. Those are my, those are my go-to's. Okay, so it. I'll ask. <laughs> favorite restaurant in Beverly Hills? Uh, well, I, that's, that's a tough question to put you into because you're a this and that. But do you have a some or a feel for like a level of them? Well, I'll say this. In in all the places that I've lived, one of our steakhouses in Beverly Hills originated in Phoenix. And I experienced it when I lived in Phoenix and loved it. So I'm trying to think of which one this is. So when I came here, I was very pleased to see it's here. And it's still here. Okay. I'll say, let's just say it rhymes with Tastro's. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So that restaurant that he's referring to is there's a restaurant that has just opened up that is probably fair to say Los Angeles's best steakhouse, period. Forget Beverly Hills, just Los Angeles's greater Southern California. If it's not that one, it's top. And that was, if I understand right, was the founders of uh, the place that rhymes with what? Tastros. Tastros. <laughs> right. um, yeah, there's, there's a few places. There's now. a few, but yeah. I love that. I find I'm a creature of habit, so I have been to that restaurant once. I thought it was spectacular, but because of I eat very clean is a good way of wording it. I find myself always at one particular steakhouse, one particular salad place that's on Cannon. Yeah. What I love about Beverly Hills for people to to think, what about where am I going to go eat? What used to be in the 80s, a very quiet street, which is Cannon, uh, Cannon Drive, is now Restaurant Row. You can walk up and down, and you're finding internationally renowned chefs. You're finding national brand restaurants. Unbelievable. And I talk about, you know, I talked about that one as an example, but in Beverly Hills, it's hard to choose. But what I do love about Beverly Hills, too, is, you know, when I, when I think about 
Giacomino and his family and sure. the restaurants they have, the legacy they have. I think about Peter at Porta Villa. Right. Think about Sean at BH Market. Right. You have all these these hey, folks. Hey, as long as we're mentioning names, I think of my friend Jeff Cops at the Palm. You right, know? exactly. Yeah. All these folks that have invested in this town and love it, love it, and yeah. love the people. That's what I'd love to see. So, can I, you know, I don't like going heavy on stuff, but there's some issues that I think some of these restaurants that we both love they're really struggling. Some have come out of the pandemic, for lack of a better word, with flying colors, and others are still struggling. And it's fascinating because I mentioned this uh, recently to somebody about the, I guess they're called parklets. Yes. You know, I don't know where that's going to go. I just know it doesn't make Cannon Drive look great, but it's just, we need to figure out ways. I don't know what the right way is to get people to do business. Well, I'm, I'm raising my hand in excitement because your timing on this is perfect. So, Beginning, I believe, next week, we're going to have sample parklets for restaurants to come take a look at and choose high-end, polished-looking fixtures for the park. For people parklet. that don't know, I did not know the word parklet. I was told this word recently. I was complaining to somebody uh, about them, not in a negative way, but, geez, it feels awful that our tax dollars pay for the sidewalks, and i got to walk through what is, in essence, now a restaurant, and they didn't pay for parking, and they weren't allowed occupancy for this. What about the guy who didn't do this? So it's, and they're not really attractive, but people seem to love outdoor dining, and I think that they're a benefit, and they sort of yuck up the street as far as one looks like it's a deck from uh, where you would put a boat. Yep. One looks like it's got plastic uh, phony uh, foliage on it. You exactly, know? and that's what we're, we're hoping to do with this program is to create that consistency and that better aligns with our brand. Yeah, it, it's a challenge because I'm... We have all kinds of issues in the city that are fabulous, and we have all kinds of issues that are problematic. I, I'm a little uncomfortable sitting in a parklet. I knew that word. I'm very excited about it. Um, of people racing a car, a car loses control, and it could be a safety issue. And I'm sure this, everybody thinks about it. The city thinks about it. Um, and, you know, we got a great police department here that are trying to tackle it all. But all of these things, I'm sure, enter into it. But at the end of the day, forget whether it should or shouldn't, that's political. Anything that helps the businesses bring people in, it's great. Les Bronte, who was on the podcast, said something that is just a great catchphrase. You know, you want tourists to be able to come and not have to wait great times to get into restaurants, and you want them to enjoy restaurants. And think of tourists as wallets with legs, and those are good for commerce. So I don't want to be the naysayer and say they should go away. I love the idea that they're coming up and that restaurants can go. And then somebody had told me, for all the people that don't know, well, how could they're not paying for it. They're taking away parking spaces. We can get into the logistics at a different podcast or a different time. That's just not what I really do. But the idea of having people be able to go and sit in these things and enjoy them and expand the experience it's a good thing. We agree. Absolutely. You know, and what are these? What are the new parklets look like? Are they cool? Are they, they uniform? They are. I mean, there's options, so the businesses can take a look and decide. Okay, this shade of floor will work best in mine, or I like this particular fencing surrounding. Uh, but it's 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 the elements that are that are more in alignment with our brand. What we would expect Correct. when we come to Beverly Hills. 
Correct. And that, that makes perfect sense. That's, you know, by the way, that's very well spoken as a spokesperson for Beverly Hills, but it, it, it is on brand to, to what people do. And again, I didn't get the point out, you know, people that have these quote unquote parklets, it's not that they get them for free, as I understand it. They're paying for what the metered parking would have brought in seven days a week, blah, 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 blah as long as they have it which is on one hand great, on the other hand it might not be fair to the sandwich shop or whatever, it changes the demographic of things. Uh, it's, it's a challenge and I wanna say thank God we have smart people dealing with it far brighter than I. But back to you, Keith, before we wrap up, tell me about what other things you like to do. So we go to the beach, do we play golf? Do we play tennis? Do we play we uh, eat out. cards? We eat out. We sh and I, I'm not afraid to admit that I love to shop either, which okay. people say, really? Yeah, uh, yeah I do. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it was therapy for me years ago that I started this, but now I'll just walk around stores looking for deals all the time. It's, yeah. it's bad. It's an expensive habit, yeah. but I don't always buy it. It's me and Costco for but everybody. My wife will tell you, you spend far too much time in Costco. If you want to know what's going on in American society, walk into a Costco. Watch how they behave. Watch what they look for. Watch what yeah. they, and then you just look at the sheer gasp of the business. It's, it's exciting. Well, and I would love to play golf again. So quick aside, when I was at Anchor in Myrtle Beach, I was such a poor golfer that the general manager of the TV station had me host a golf tip segment where I would go out to the best courses in Myrtle Beach. And Which you know are fabulous. About, yeah, it's like 120 courses there. And they'd give me lessons, and I'd shank it, and I'd stuff it, and, I'd, and it was just it was like, like a comedy show. But I love being out on those beautiful golf courses, yeah. and I'd love to take that up again. That's kind of on my to-do list. And the other thing that's on my to-do list. You and I should do that. I used to play a lot. I don't play very often. Yeah. I don't love it. I like it yeah. I, because it used to be me playing against me, and right. I get irritated. Okay, because right, right, I was right. very – I fairly gifted at it. I don't want to say very, but fairly gifted at it. And then it just got to be frustrating. And then when you make it about the people, and right. it's just – this is – Fun, it's the experience, yeah. And then the other thing I really want to do more of is community service because uh, I do feel that I've really been blessed in everything I've done and where I've ended up. And so that's why you know, the work at the Rotary and other things to come, I hope, are, are going to fulfill me in that way. Yeah, it, it will. And you meet people, and it's just like begets like. So it, it's great. Anything you want to, I don't want to say plug, but for lack of a better word, anything that you want to get out that people should know about the city other than we have fabulous people and we love it here? I think that that's what I would just communicate to, to those that don't follow city government is know that you have people that have your best interest at heart, working hard every day uh, from our mayor, our city council, our, our city management, our uh, public works people that are out cleaning the streets, our police and fire, uh, the folks that pay the bills, it, it, you know, the run the parks. I could go on and so, on. So wait, let me give you one that was funny. When, when we're coming in here, just for people that don't know, we're at Beverly Hills High School today. We're at the KBEV Studios. And you, it's, you come in and I, I meet one of the security guards who meets me in the parking lot because we have the very important Keith Sterling coming. They thought I was somebody important. <laughs> they know, and once he figured it out, they know better. But his right. name is Anthony and he's a security guard here. And I got a really quick story about him, which was, hey, tell me about yourself. Well, you know, I grew up in Pico Rivera. That's where I live. Um, I went into, I was in the Marines, love that. I found my way here. And then I asked them this key question. I said to him, where do you see yourself in five years? He says, right here. I love it here. I just was so impressed. So, you know, he has, he won't hear this, I don't think, 
But it just, it, those are the moments that touch me and that mean something to me and that you meet people here, they, they, they seem to generally like their job. Everybody can have bad days, but the theme is, hey, let's do it right, let's, let's be kind of cool, from the police chief down to anybody who's working with us. So as a friend, I thank you for doing this. As a now fellow Rotarian, thank you for that. And uh, um, I will call on you for favors. And uh, by the way, I have to ask, are you okay with this uh, logo now? The logo looks great. I don't <laughs> see the shield, the trademark shield. There's nowhere to be found. Yeah. <laughs> Keith, for, just to end on, on a fun note, Keith called me up. He says, I'm not calling to harass you because it's not a big deal, but we protect the brand. And you have a little shield on there. I go, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about that when we put it up there. I says, I'll take care of it. So now our... Our logo sort of says Beverly Hills, but it, does. it doesn't say anything about a shield or the brand. And so we're all protecting this fabulous brand. So, Keith, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing this. I look forward to seeing you. And if you ever need anything from me, please let me know. Thank you, Michael. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of the Mostly Banter podcast. Hey, remember it was sponsored by Amy Sherry Designs. Check her out. Give her a call. 310-386-0627.